gentlemen, trees and non-binaries. Adam here of the Hostile Takeover, coming at you for the fresh episode of the irregular, sadly irregular podcast where me and a friend talk all things of PC, tabletop, or video gaming, all things that we love at all times, with a dear friend and a topic that both he and I love, Will, my good pal, new Red Legends of Runeterra cards are on the horizon. Isn't it exciting? It's very exciting. We're v visiting Alan Kett. <laughs> yeah, as we said back in the, one of our old Hostile Atmosphere videos, the links to that on our YouTube channel down below, we, um, we're getting a new region and a new expansion that we're comparing to the magic analogue of Egyptian myth, but the Egyptian myth, the perilous desert, and the ascended gods and strange relics of the past are abound. There's a lot to talk about because they are said that they're putting in more new cards than in any other expansion before, so there is much spice here. What are your first takeaways from the Empires of the Ascended expansion? Yeah, I feel like new sets usually bamboozle me, but this set has leveled up <laughs> my, my bamboozling. So you're feeling more bamboozled yeah. than ever? Pretty much, yeah. There's a lot going on here. Um, but it all looks pretty interesting. I think we could see some new decks arise from this. There will be many new decks because uh, Legends of Runeterra is very much a uh, hero-based card game. The quality of the champions and the high-end, uh, high-rarity cards definitely define the decks in the meta game uh, at large. So we can definitely expect to see many new decks and some supplements to decks that you really wouldn't expect to get Buffs truly get supported in this uh this expansion. There's a lot here to be really excited about. Uh, but I'm here very impartial and can talk very highly about pretty much all of the champions and most of the epics. What things are jumping out of you right at the bat before we just dive into the cards as a whole? Oh, um, I mean, a lot of the new champions look very sweet. Yeah. Some of them look kind of hard to level up as we've been talking you don't necessarily have to level them up all the time for them to be sweet cards yeah that's very true as long as they generate you value board pressure or some decent way of winning without them necessarily leveling up they're still quite strong most of the time i never bother to level up draven he's usually just there drawing the axes uh if you level up a twisted fate he wins either game aphelios gets you value consistently Alkai is difficult. There's many champions that leveling up is amazing, but not essential. So yeah, I can definitely see a few of that here. But uh, the beautiful thing about this expansion uh, is that we are getting an entire new region. This is comparable to them adding another color in Magic or another color in Mythgod. Us getting Shirima is a huge addition to this game. And uh, as of the recording of this, there's only a couple of days away until the set drops on our client. But there's Still, I think, more cards to see. But we've got the bulk of the set, so we're just going to talk about everything that we have here. So, Shirima, Amon Ket, as you'd likely call it, we're getting all of the myth flavours, and we're also getting all of the very underdressed, attractive sand people. So, what are your takes on the many new cards of the new region, Sand? <laughs> um... I mean, purely just going from a quick look point, I love uh, Nasus. It's just such a good art. I love that. Yeah, the strong Anubis analogue on Nasus. Let's actually talk about the Shurima champions. They're not necessarily going to be in the order that they were 
revealed to us viewers and players of the game, but they're just going to be the orders that we're going to we'll look at them uh, uh, on our uh, out-of-cards and mobilitics. So, yeah, Nessus, 6-6 six, six with Fearsome. That gets plus one, plus one for each unit you've slain this game. Now, slain checks whenever you've killed one of killed anything with one of your own cards. Combat damage, kill spells, um, dam direct damage. However, you've slain a card, he will get stronger. Yeah, that seems very easy to enable, hmm. I've got to say. The base plus two plus two means that he, even if you play him late and you're up against something that's quite controlly like a Nivea that doesn't really kill a lot of their a lot of their own guys, he will still have some stats to him, unlike say a zero zero. So he'll have some weight behind him, and the fearsome definitely goes a long way to be able to just aggressively punch in. I like him for a very specific couple of decks. I like him alongside maybe Callista for fearsome aggressive decks in Shadow Isles because uh, his level up versions really help the fearsome archetype. Mm. Definitely. The same level up requirement as Vi, a champion I dearly love but has come fallen out of the radar. When he strikes for 10 plus damage he becomes a 6 mana 3-3 with fearsome and spell shield. Uh, still the same uh, growth, uh, getting plus one, plus one for each unit you've slain, and he gives the enemy team minus one attack power. That seems pretty sweet, actually. Yep, because that really makes it extra tough for your opponent to be able to block into a board of additional other fearsomes, let alone him. It makes their attack significantly worse. The Video showing him off paired him against a, a Tom Kent Soraka deck, and that minus one minus O blanket effect really just shut their team down. The potential for like aggressive fearsomes is definitely here, and there's some support for that in Shirima already with cards like Bakai Reaper and Sanctum Conservator. But we'll get to those uh, followers probably in a minute because this is a very unique champion, and we'll see another one like him in a minute or so, because this is a champion that can hit three levels. Just looking at the, th the third one, jeez. Yep, there is a special monument there in the game that uh, represents a big moment in the story of Runeterra and Shurima, where the great sun disk reascends into the sky and the life is returned to the otherwise abandoned ruined deserts, and these ascended champions have woken from their slumber to become even more ascended. So his level 3 version, he is a 6-mana 10-10 with the same growth effect for Slains, but he gives your enemies enemies minus 3, minus 0. That shuts down so many aggressive boards, and that just ensure, almost ensures any fearsome team to be able to swing right in. Absolutely insane. It wouldn't even be a 10-10 at that point. It would be far bigger, so... I think, yeah. yeah. In the promotional video, he had him. It was like a twenty-three with some damage, twenty-three power with some damage on him, which is to be insanely expected. Though, to be honest, I think the trick that people are really missing is that sure, you play Nessus as a heavy, aggressive, fearsome's top end, much like what fearsome's decks are doing right now with they who endure, because with they who endure, you just beat them down with very efficient fearsome's. 
and then you end the game by playing a massive Dehu Endure and then throwing it at your opponent's face with Atrocity. So you have the added benefit of the Atrocity here because Nessus has Spell Shield. Cool. Yeah, so there have been so many times when me being a degenerate Tolgon player have looked at someone trying to kill me with a sneaky atrocity on a medium-sized bay and I go, hush. So the spell shield really ensures that that win condition goes off. Yeah. Even just the, the fearsome and then the passive effect of enemies have minus three, minus zero. That means he's always going to get through if he's trying to punch phrase or usually usually yeah but even then they're just going to have to just chump block with something that used to be a good attacker but isn't anymore and when they chump block they'll be chump blocking into this absolute beefcake which will only be making him stronger because he'll be slaying them in the combat damage yeah yeah so he's kind of got the um dragon ability remind me what that's called yeah he's got fury in it, other sense just uh gaining getting stronger every time he punches in definitely true There is a loss of versatility to him. I can really see him being the top end in Shirima Shadow Isles Fearsomes. I, I'm very interested in that deck. We'll probably talk about the uh, third level up when we get to his brother Renekton, but because uh, as great as their level 3 forms are, I'm not sure how much you can justify level 3-ing him in that deck. I can see that, yeah. But uh, we're continuing on with the new Shurima champion, switching away from the aggressive Jackal Man into an absolute delightful... Just This character is just so precious, Talia. Talia, the Stone Shaper Lady. Yeah, interesting card. Very interesting card. Uh, back when... This is definitely true of the early design of the original set. The original foundation stuff before Bilgewater and any of that came to the game. The first lot of champions were very clearly designed to be almost like lords of certain mechanics. Like Yasuo's the like uh, champion built around the stun and recall mechanic. Shen's built around barriers. Uh, Quinn, even though in the later expansion, was built around scouts. Nautilus on deep. Maokai on toss. Think of a bash on frostbites. There has definitely been champions that are sort of like indicative to mirror certain mechanics. And finally, we've got a champion that cares about landmarks. This set has brought in a vast number of new and cheaply costed landmarks to be able to put a Talia based deck into possibility, I would say. I mean, we were discussing this earlier, weren't we? And I was trying to find a landmark, which would just be insane to you know, make multiple copies of. But wasn't anything crazy out there? There were some good value pieces you could copy, but I feel like that's the yeah. You know, I feel like that's the case. They would just be mostly value pieces, but they would be generating enough value as a as a way to try and maintain parity in a board state, especially against something. Uh, probably aggressive or something that could outvalue you or attack you on a different axis. The obvious ones that come to my mind are the ones that are here in the new set, such as uh, Ancient Preparations, a uh, one-mana landmark that makes a 2-2 two -two after Countdown 2. There's 
a hibernating rock bear that summons the rock bears after countdown three, and then sought by the summons rock bears again, but then grants the strongest guy plus two plus two. I think you were very interested in the uh, promising future card that doubles the completion effect on countdown Lamox. Yeah, that seems like a good way to abuse it. And the um, prison thrall, that seems like a got a good thing to copy as well. Yep, the one of the Freljord new landmarks that uh, for one mana, eventually eight turns later, will spawn you in 8-8. Eight, eight. So if you get two of those, that would be quite handy and it would really go towards levelling up your Lysandras. I could probably see a uh, Talia Lysandra landmark control, trying to eventually win with the Watcher. We'll get to Freljord in just a hot second, but um, I honestly think if you're able to build a good toolbox landmark deck, Talia herself could be the win condition because of the possibility of just being able to sweep away any attackers that are in front of her. You can very decently sort of Voltron her up as well as keep some decent landmarks in the back, such as the uh, Sandswept Tomb that makes Sandstone Charges to attack with in addition to whoever else you're attacking with on your landmark team board. There's a lot of possibilities. Yeah. I'm not totally sold on her, but she seems alright. She seems okay. She will have to be one that I will bring fairly early into the season on the hostile atmosphere to try and uh, do the landmark some justice. It's convinced me otherwise. <laughs> convince you otherwise? I always did like a challenge. But uh, for me at least, a uh, challenge has to be the landmark on the other delightful... If underdressed, but delightful young lady of Shirima, and that's the champion named Sevilla. Yeah, very much a Wonder Woman art going there, I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. I can see that. But yeah, a 4-mana 5-3, uh, same, same stat line as Ash and Nocturne. But with Quick Attack and Spell Shield, keeps her fairly well sort of pro uh, protected against the first lot of removal spells, and because otherwise she'd just get eaten by a Gets Excited. But the level up requirement, you've dealt 35 damage, I've heard called exorbitant. I personally think it's very reasonable. Yeah. It, I mean, it's you've dealt. It's not even severe has to do it with her or anything like that. So 35 isn't actually crazy. It certainly sounds like a lot, but it counts everything. It counts attacks, blocks, and burn. So honestly, the only way you can really get really blown out by it is if you attack into a heavily barriered board, like if you're a Shen deck, because the barrier negates that damage so that so no damage would be dealt at all. But honestly, you can really rack up the damage if you're even the slightest bit aggressive. If you're not potentially Shurima Noxus with some fairly under-costed high-stated beaters and some Noxus burn to sort of supplement that. Till this one is very much a. It doesn't matter hugely if you level it up because it is a five three with quick attack and spell shield. That's really going to do you some justice. Yep. You, four. Yep. You can definitely get a great aggro start in with her there. Leveling her up, if you are able to pull it off, it does spell quite a few scary possibilities when you consider some of the cards that have been shown off around her. She levels up into a four mana six four. It says, while I'm attacking, attacking allies have my keywords. So when she levels up, she'll get the spell shield back if it's already popped between now and then. So the rest of the attacking team would get quick attack and spell shield off her. 
but there are cards like Inner Sanctum and Payday that make a card called Lucky Find. And Lucky Find are random uh, granted buffs that can go towards uh, a, a unit. So if you put all of these random buff spells onto Severe, she can spread them out for the rest of the team. Yeah. I've got to kind of agree with everyone else that it does seem quite high just for that payoff. But it seems alright. As long as you're able to find a way to grant Severe Elusive, which is quite hard-pressed given the houses, and the Lucky Finds very noticeably don't grant Elusive. But I still think it's a... Uh an aggro threat that really does need to be respected and answered. Yeah. In any case, though, the lucky finds do go quite well with Augment and Victor decks. I think you can very much get a very scary Neandroid and Mechanized Mimic with the possibilities of giving it plus three plus oh with the plus one plus oh from Augment and the plus two plus oh lucky find. Overwhelm, tough, plus two toughness, quick attack, fearsome, challenger, spell shield. There's the buffs are all considerable, but it's very noticeable to show that elusive is not one of them. Yeah, for sure. But in any case, we talked about the noble brother, the one that wants to return Shirima to glory. We now look at the aggressive, angry, hungry brother who wants Shirima to bend to his will. Crocodile boy Renekton. What do you think of this beat stick? <laughs> um it's not grabbing me at the moment just looking at the initial initial card yeah he's seems okay yeah it seems okay he's uh he's very much in favor of like heavy smork heavy aggro which is a way to play uh there's a very high level player who's somewhat become a meme in, within the runeterra community called rico rex who has been basically been playing Reliord Noxious Overwhelm consistently since the game existed and has been doing things in and around like the Overwhelm Hyper Aggro style ever since. So this is something that I know they've been very interested in, but what you'd expect from a very heavily aggro champion. Hmm. It certainly seems like it can do some damage. Most certainly, yeah. To be able to attack consistently as a 4-mana 6-5 with Overwhelm as long as you challenge an enemy guy, which we've started to see in Demacia. There's lots of easy ways to grant Challenger, and there's lo and there are some ways in Shirima to, to grant and give out Vulnerable, which actually does trigger the challenge trigger on level 1 Renekton, which is worth noting. So if you're able to get him to challenge into something onto attacks, that levels him up. Uh, okay. Uh, after that, he'll attack as a four mana eight eight with overwhelm, which is terrifying. It's like a half of the cost for a Captain Farron. And if you were on a mono Shirima hyper aggro, which I think is the actual version that you actually play the Sun Disc with, because the to level up Renekton and Nasus and eventually Azir when we see him in a later expansion, because I don't think we're going to see any more champions from this drop just yet 
we see that the way that the Ascended Champions hit go from level 2 to level 3 is that the Sun Disc, a one-mana landmark, goes through all 25 levels and the Sun restores and Renekton goes into a 4-mana 10-10 with Overwhelm that deals 2 to your opponent's board and their face even before combat damage is dealt. You think Renekton and Nasus could be in the same deck? Potentially. That's not an idea I'd honestly thought of, but it does make for quite a bit of sense because Nasus gives you the early curve and stuff that you want to be interacting with, stuff like your Back Eye Reaper and your... possibly the Back Eye Sand Spinner to give the vulnerable that's Renekton wants. Uh, Sanctum Conservator to wipe their entire board so that Renekton can get in uncontested. Honestly, if you were going to be Mono Shirima with the two brothers in a van, then a meteor hit, then a giant came. Bad Rick and Roy references. If you were on the two brothers, <laughs> that could be a possibility. Because you seem to want to do very similar things, I feel. They do, they do. I think there's a bit more, level yeah. up at least. There's a bit more finesse to making Nasus into a very large man. Nasus wants you to be able to kill your guys and their guys for kill your guys for value and kill their guys with your efficient removal spells. So you are rewarded for playing a bit more interactively. Uh, Renekton wants you to go face, but they, in in any case, you can't. You do get advantages for going face with both of them. So I could see them being in a mono Shurima sort of mid-rangey deck together. Yeah, it's probably something I'll try and force. <laughs> yeah, I could see it. I could see it trying trying to force it as well. I think it'd be good in the mid tiers of ranked. And it's definitely on the same flavor as like the big boy Freljord Overwhelm decks. Just something that goes faced hard and consistently because the interaction on Shurima is definitely there with stuff like. Your ruthless predators and your quicksands and your unworthies. Very nice indeed. But with those four champions setting the tone, we've got what looks to be finesse-based aggro mid-range with uh, Shadow Isle-style control cards. Mono Shuruma go face, possibly with Nasus. Severe being able to go face whilst they'll be able to convey good buffs across your team and Talia being able to some sort of landmark value. Shurima does bring in quite a few new interesting strategies all in and around themselves, I would say. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Which is great indeed. But now we've seen four champions in the new region, but we're also seeing a champion in four regions that uh, they've sadly missed a couple of our favourites, but some other pet favourite regions have all received champions, with Jarvan the Fourth and Demacia, Lysandra and Freljord, Kindred and Shadow Isles, and uh, as of 2am last night, LeBlanc and Noxus. My friend, where do we want to visit first for our chatter? Oh, you know I want to go to my favourite region, Freljord. Ah, of course, how, how could we say no to the cold? <laughs> so Lysandra, the avatar of the winter, what do we have to say about this new excellent control champion? 
I mean, first off the bat, I've got to say, reminds me very much of the skeleton king. I forget what he's called from Hearthstone. It was all about being king of like the ice and stuff. So it just seems very familiar there. But yeah, aside from that, awesome card. Looks amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, comes down early. Gets busted up by some fairly key removal spells, namely in the form of Culling Strike, which is going to be quite prevalent in the metagame still because of Aphelios and Twisted Fate. But she provides you value when she when you play her by making one of her Frozen Thrall landmarks. So you're not really losing much if she dies early, but I'm not sure she's a champion you want to play early anyway because her level up requirement doesn't need her to be on board, which I think is absolutely amazing. Yeah, she's not something you'd really want to play turn three unless you've got no other options. Unless you've got no other options or you're in a controlly mirror where you can play her out and she's not going to go down fairly quickly. And the tough against aggressive decks really helps you stem the bleeding, as well as some of the new cards that they've put in the expansion alongside her, namely Ice Shard and the utility of Three Sisters. But I'm very excited about the concept of this card anyway. What was that, Will help being uh, tough because yeah. it will take four uh, that, yeah. damage straight off the bat just to kill her. Yep. Yeah. Seems a bit weird slapping tough on a three toughness champion, but eh, yes. Yeah, it's generally welcome and makes makes her exact, yes, distinctly resilient, which is something I think you want from the champions in this, this kind of archetype. I'm really in favor of them moving. Freljord into something a little bit more controlly because the control elements in Freljord was always excellent. You had stuff like your ramp spells, your avalanches and ice quakes as board wipes, your value creatures. I'm very excited to see Freljord go into a more controlly space, but that's just my playstyle as it is. Definitely, yeah. I would have preferred her the spell shield if I'm quite honest, but tough is a second good thing. Yeah. Uh, against the aggressive decks, they if with a choice between using their burn on your face or on her, they're going to try and go face because the longer the game goes, the better it is for you and the worse it is for them. So tough really helps her really stick it out in some of the aggressive matchups. I would hate to be a Jinx Traven player playing against this 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 champion, honestly. <laughs> so let's talk about her level up. I'm very excited for her when yeah. she levels up. And leveling her up, honestly, in a dedicated Freljord control shell seems pretty easy. You've summoned two plus allies that cost eight or more mana. So she does that partly by herself, if you are there to play her out early. She makes the Frozen Thrall landmark, a uh, one mana landmark with at common, so you can have these in deck in addition to playing Lysandra and Draglord Inquisitor. So after eight rounds, it turns into an 8-8 eight, eight for eight with Overwhelm, which automatically triggers her. Alongside that, you've got really good stuff like uh, it that stares Sejuani's battleship, some other support cards from that cost eight or more Trundle and his ice ice shard. There are many things that cost eight or more mana that you'll be willing to play out once you've ramped enough. But once you level her up, she goes to a three four with tough that gives your nexus tough i just want to focus on that first sentence for a, for a little minute <laughs> let's give your your nexus a key word <laughs> that um, seems so weird yeah but uh the way i see it is like an emblem in magic 
the same way Zoe reads. Yeah. Yeah. Although we pointed out that it's important that she stays around to keep it. Yes, she need it. It's not grant your nexus tough. It's your nexus is tough, so she does need to be on board to get that effect. But that's fine. You're encouraged to keep leveled up champions on the board because they're generally very good. Um, but an important note is especially given the state of the metagame these days, the fact that your nexus is tough is an active, active counter against mushrooms decks. Oh no! Did you not realize? No, yeah, mushrooms don't wash anymore. Oh no! Yeah, the mushrooms just ping right off because it's it's preventing one damage, and the mushrooms will do one damage. But if you top deck a card, it's got five mushrooms on it, wouldn't it? Just do no. four instead. I don't think so. I thought they would do one, and then one, and then one, and then one, and then one. Because I thought it counts up the mushrooms, and then does that amount in total. We'll have to playtest this, but yeah. That's a big problem. Yeah, I've, it's either it, it either absolutely nerfs mushrooms or it like severely weakens mushrooms, which is still a huge downgrade for the deck, which is exactly what a controlly champion like this wants to be doing. But when you level up, level when you play her, you make her throws and thrall if you've leveled her up already. And when she levels up, you create the Watcher in hand, which is, I think, the thing you want to talk about. Oh my god, this card. <laughs> yeah. Um, a 17 mana, 11, 17. Now, listeners, you heard that right. You can't go above 10 mana in this game, so it's otherwise uncastable. And the 11, and the 17 mana, an 11, 17 has got people really confused. I personally see that as a bunch of prime numbers, so it's got some numerology sequence and significance. Or it's just an arbitrarily huge thing because you don't have to care because when it attacks, you obliterate your enemy's deck. <laughs> yeah. And you have an 11 7. So, you know, two ways to kill the enemy. It's true. Uh, and the fact that we've seen, like, skills and random uh, created card effects for other cards leads me to assume that that's a thing that happens, but there's no skill card showing Watch's Judgment or Watch's Stare. So I'm just... And uh, given the way it looked in the Lissandra preview video, I'm given to understand that once you commit to your attack, this just happens. They could chump block the rest of your team and not choose to take any damage, but the deck just goes. There's not a skill that's put on the stack, which I'm pretty sure is not correct, but... It's certainly how it looks. Yeah, so the ability doesn't go on the on the stack, as it were. Hang on a minute. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I want to compare Should this. Should do, because you'd be able to... No, because... Gate it, not the gate, oh dear. Deny it. <laughs> deny, that's it. I just... I'm, I've got my mobilistics on right now, so I'm going to look something up really quickly so how is sith oh my god yeah um one of your personal favorite champions outside of freljord of course i would probably say is hecarim yeah yeah uh his his text reads attack 
colon, summon two spectral riders. There's no skill for that, that just happens. Oh. Ride steel formation, play or attack, give uh, all our allies barrier this round. As soon as you put this thing in the red zone and commit to the attack, the enemy deck just goes. This is scary. It's scary now. Even though I'm... Yeah, go on. No, I'm committing to building this, I'm scared of it. <laughs> Where is... You haven't... I, have... I, I briefly mentioned this, but I'm going to remind you again, I'm going to remind our listeners again, of a very underappreciated card in another region that makes this deck go turbo. Uh, yeah, you've seen it around in Expeditions, and you've seen it around in some fringe decks, everyone has, but this card will actually start to see play in Lissandra control decks if you pair Lissandra with Shadow Oils, which is personally what I agree with, because it gives you access to Vengeance and Ruination and Spectral Matron. From the original set, an 8-mana 6-6 with Fearsome. When you play it, you pick an ally in hand, summon an exact a copy of it, it's ephemeral. Hey. So you don't have to care about playing the 4 plus 8 cost allies. You just play Spectral Matron to get an ephemeral watcher. Hmm see that working yeah it's just a way to get that effect out one turn early whilst not having to worry about losing your watcher to some other effect about the uh spell i've of course forgotten the name of where you summon two ephemeral allies and i use in my team deck oh dawn and dusk yeah would that trigger that Maybe? Let me just check. <laughs> Question mark? Um... Yes, it would. Summon two exact copies of, a, of an ally there ephemeral. Yeah, so, okay. you, so you copy some random eight-cost guy, one of the frozen thralls that popped out of your landmark, the Frostguard thralls. So you've suddenly got Two more A8s with Overwhelm, and all of a sudden your Watcher in the Waiting in the Wings is uh, now free again, which is interesting because you want to try and pair uh, Lysandra with Ionia for access to Karma, would you say? I can see that being a deck. I'm not sure if that would be the go-to one, but yeah, Karma would be pretty good with this. Yeah, the way I see building Lysandra is either traditional Shadow Isles-based control deck where you get your, your Vengeances, your Ruinations, your Grasp of the Undyings, your Withering Whales to keep you up on life and kill their board until such time as you can either Spectral Matron your Watcher or just play Ledrosses and stuff so that your Watcher becomes zero. Or you play Karma so that you can get enlightened, copy your Entombs to make sure you absolutely kill everything, and copy your Ice Shards to absolutely kill everything. Then enlighten your way into playing the Watcher with a bunch of uh, Denies and Nopifies backup. Oh. And, apparently, and apparently Dawn and Dusk. This seems good. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then 
just to top it off, Lysandra does another thing at the start of round of creating um, a fleeting zero-cost Ice Shard in hand. Yep, and Ice Shard's a three-mana fast spell that deals one damage to everything. Exactly the kind of uh, reliable board wipe you want to try and keep the board clear, and because uh, and your Nexus both have tough, because you care about won't really be phased by this. So... Let me get this right. She protects herself. She protects the Nexus. She makes a dude for you. She makes a way for you to kill the enemy pretty much instantly. And she makes a way for you to start wiping away the board. Yeah. I don't want to say she's the, a lot. I don't want, I don't want to say she's the perfect control champion, but she's close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I want to build her first for the channel, but I feel like I I feel like you'll beat me to death in my sleep if you if I took her from you. Oh yeah, yeah, many times, many times. That's fine. You can take me on right. a hiking trip through the frozen north so we can find your ice bay. Yay. And I will have to insist that you're probably going to try and play all three copies of Draculon Inquisitor just because he is the methless looking like dark knight I've ever seen, not Batman included. And just <laughs> essential for the essential for the strategy, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, he does a lot um to help out Alessandra. Second in command, I guess. <laughs> yep. All dark all dark queens need a loyal Beat stick to tear down the, her enemies with, I suppose. Yeah. Alrighty, that said, you've talked about a personal favy in terms of champions. I'm going to talk about a personal favy now as we go to the Shadow Isles, the land of high spoop, to talk about kindred. <laughs> yes, I know you're very, very uh, excited about kindred. I am very excited about kindred. The possibilities in terms of how you want to build this champion are immensely endless. I, yeah, five mana, four, four with quick attack. The first time you slay a unit each round, I mark the weakest enemy. Round end, kill units with my mark. Wait, wait. Oh, I just noticed something very interesting about the wording that we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, what are your first thoughts on that? I feel like this needs to be in a controlly deck. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's, it seems really good because it's basically removing two of your opponent's en um, units. Yeah. It's, it's weird, but I like it. <laughs> oh, I like it a lot. I think this... Because Slay counts when you use one of your cards to kill one of your guys. That's, and that's a very important distinction to note. So if you, say, played a Glimpse Beyond on the Undying, or the random prey that Fading Icon spits out, or um, Blighted Caretaker away that prey to make your two little sprouts, that will still trigger Kindred if this is the first thing you've slain. I've just, something about I've just noticed about the wording of this. Uh, the round end kill units with my mark. It's not kill a unit with my mark. This kindred signature spell is spirit journey. 
five mana fast, kill a unit, then revive it. I'm going to assume with my old magic knowledge that if you were to spirit journey your own kindred, kill it, then res it, that would be a new object on the board. So you could have already marked one thing. Then you essentially flicker kindred, not necessarily like kill it, then bring it back. Slay something else. Would that be in? Would that be a new thing for Kindred to have seen, and then put another mark on something? Because I think it does. Yeah, seems like a lot of mana and effort to kill a few things, though. But then, if you do that, that levels up Kindred on the spot because you're slaying two things with the Kindred's mark on the spot. True. Yeah. I, I think th it's also. Hmm. I think it's also there. So if Kindred gets removed, um, I'm guessing the enemy would still have the mark. So that if you play another Kindred, then the round ends, then it would kill it for you. Yeah, I think that's definitely how it would be worded. I'd say that's how it would be worded. Okay. Yeah, that's. Also, I suppose you can do all this on their turn as well. So. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, like favorably block into something, and then that's still. Triggers the slay. Yeah. There's also so many other cards around Kindred that sort of support this archetype and playstyle. Like the Spirit Leech. Four mana is a lot for a fairly medium body, but be able to play a 4-1 and effectively glimpse beyond without them being able to respond is crazy crazy and still triggers this slate and still keeps you up on cards which i think is great yeah that, yeah that's good actually yeah i hadn't thought that yep and uh the ether fiend is seven mana six four with fearsome that uh crumbles effectively which is really good still bit high on the mana cost but i still think could be uh Maybe a top end that you play in a Kindred sort of base deck, but I still think Kindred's one, uh, champion you pair with the the Undying and possibly some others and with a different support region. So is Slay literally when you kill something rather than when something dies? When you actively kill something with one of your cards. If it's combat damage, that counts. If it's a kill spell, if it's burn damage, as long as you've killed, as long as you've killed something, that counts towards slay. Okay. Okay. And that counts when you kill one of their guys or one of your own guys. So like the Shadow Isle sacrifice effect, Glimpse Beyond, uh, Blighted Caretaker, that counts to slay as well. Yeah, there's a lot of cards that get this flipped, I think. Yeah, definitely. Even down to the Mask Mother, just to kill an ally to grant you its stats and keywords is uh, just a low cost that could get huge if you just sack some huge value thing that layer down the line. There's a lot of possibilities to it. There's no... I don't think there's... I like that there's very clear power in this champion, but there's no like hard and fast way to build it because you look at Lissandra and it's just like I will stall and you know that Lissandra said wants you to stall out the game until you can get this absolutely unbeatable board and then just exile their deck with Kindred you can do just about anything 
There's, there's benefits to being a control leap, but you could even play like Mistwraith's aggro, potentially. This will just get you value with alongside the sacrifice effects. Yeah, there's many ways to build Kindred, definitely. Which is very exciting and something I will probably be tinkering with right off the bat. Moving along to somewhere a bit brighter. Uh, we have a message from the Royals, I would say. We... Back when we used to play Magic, back when Magic was probably at its best for us, you, sir, were a visionary and a pioneer that used to play uh, Mono White, a Ketra's Monument. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I missed that deck. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Well, Ketra's Monument is back on Arena, so if you want to try and put it together with, like, Legion Vanguard, not Legion Vanguard, Adanto Vanguard and uh, the other very similar card. Ketra's Monument's back. Play Magic again. But until then, the the Demacia royalty have hit rude terror. Mm. Not impressed. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's not really my style, that card, but I think it's all right. The power is definitely very high. Because as long as he's in your hand, he will always be there on turn six. Every single time. Which is still quite powerful. I would say you go... I've heard talk that he replaces Quinn in the Scouts decks, which I probably don't agree with. For 6 mana, he wants to be in a much more mid-rangey elite deck, I would say. Yeah, he's an elite. That's an important uh, yep. thing to note, yeah. So he gets the buff of course from... He <laughs> yep, he gets the buff from... Uh, Battlesmith, he ticks down your uh, For the Fallens. He ticks down your Devoted Squire. He's definitely good. He's definitely good for the Elite's deck. He's the probably the top end they need alongside Sithria, but then again, Sithria is still probably amazing at the same cost, so it's hard to say. Yeah. Hmm. You were in a dedicated sort of deck, he could be good, but uh, he's. Mm, I was I was a lot more hot on him before. Now I'm feeling the the Demacia Blues again. <laughs> I don't know. I think he pairs well with other Demacia champions. He's definitely got that theme going, but he's just not. He's not doing it for me personally. <laughs> Uh, the Demacia Pitfall, I would say, of being very good to smork with. Uh, the when you level him up, getting access to the Cataclysm is still pretty good because that means you could potentially attack three times in the same turn. Okay. To be perfectly honest, in terms of the Demacia sort of nugget of cards that we've got, the... Uh, Cheaper cards have me a lot more excited and interested. <laughs> not the fun Some things you're looking at. Uh, not the funny one, although the funny one is pretty good. I'm looking mostly at the uh, Penison Squire. 
the uh, the tattered banner is just a burst speed spell that grants challenger to the next guy you play, and that um, you get that card in hand as long as you behold an elite, which is fine. That's most of the decently costed Demacia guys. I honestly think that this is strong enough to, in a dedicated elites deck, and dedicated elites was once one of the most feared decks in the in the game right before Belgian Water came out. I've heard say people say that this isn't better than Cythria. I really don't agree. Be able to give Challenger to your Garens or to your Cythrias so that the rest of your fearsome team can get in, or to give it to your Garens so that they can level him up. To give it to your Captain Arikas because the spell shield will definitely mean that she'll be safe otherwise and capture one of their guys is very powerful. And still a one mana two two is a about right for what you'd expect from Demacia fairly aggressive decks. Shame she's not a an elite herself, but yeah. Yeah, then trained up enough, she's still just a squire. I so yeah. yeah. But then you look from that one drop common in the Marcia to the other one drop common from the Marcia, and you feel so bad for the little puppy elephant that's about to get eaten by a dragon. <laughs> it lives to die. <laughs> yeah, I, I showed the artwork to this to my dad, and he got incredibly sad when he saw the art of the dragon swooping in, because I don't know if you've seen the full screen version of the art for this, but you can see the, the screeching dragon swooping in, ready to pounce on this little guy. Oh no. <laughs> I'll send it to you in a minute, but it's true. And yeah, it's a whole sad, but honestly, this might be low-key really good for Dragon's decks. It's kind of a low-end gap filler to sort of buy you a bit of time to get those dragons out. It's, it seems all right. Yep, it's, and honestly, the fact that it's a 1-0-3, it will gum up a lot of really early attacks if you play it on turn 1. And nobody's going to point a kill spell at this. It's not worth it. It's really not, no. But <laughs> whenever you play your Screeching Dragons on turn 5, maybe turn 4 if you've got uh, Dragon Priestess, all the way up to Mind Splitter on turn 8 or turn 7, or even if you go... Um, like Eclipse Dragon turn 8, then this boy, then Aurelion Soul a turn early, Aurelion Soul eats this, levels up because you've got a bunch of other dragons. You're still netting cards and you're growing the dragons. This is exactly the intention. Yeah, with Fury it's it's growing them up a bit, isn't it? Yep, the only way this feels bad is if you play it with Shivana on board, because Shivana doesn't get a plus one plus one from Fury, but Shivana does get a free four damage on, which goes towards her level up. True, yeah. I've seen. No, I, th I think it's just yeah. It's just there to stop the damage. It's it's not really critical that it does that draw one. That's just a nice little bonus. Yeah, which is definitely the intention, and I think it's a very good thing for it. I feel like a lot of the dragons decks don't really get going until the turn four or five, and stuff like pirates and jinx draven just kills you by the time that gets around. So having that early blocker that most of the time draws you a card is still really good. Yeah. I've seen some absolute meme lords suggest putting um, Unyielding Spirit onto this so that it doesn't die, so it always just keeps drawing you cards and just stays there forever. Which I don't agree with, but I found really funny. 
That's really weird. No, mm. I don't like that at all. No, nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not fuck bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. Hi, my name's Steve. And I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. 
Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Now, a character that I've been very excited to see in this game from what lore reading I've done in and around League and Legends of Runeterra and stuff. I'm very excited to see LeBlanc being a champion for Noxus in this expansion. She was revealed at 2am for us here in jolly old England. So I woke up and just checked my legs right away and was just like, huh, okay. Because I watched the champion preview video in i want to say korean and i was like i don't understand what any of these cards are but she looks cool and she sounds cool in korean <laughs> but in any case leblanc three mana five two with quick attack and she wants to see you do 15 damage ah so see you deal yeah mm. she has to be on board yeah, okay for it. Yeah. okay Feel like you're un underwhelmed. I don't know. Sell me. <laughs> um, she is the card that a deck I know you love has been sorely waiting for. She goes right into frostbites. Really? Are you kidding me? You messing with me right now? She goes right into frostbites. The Fre the Freljord Noxus deck that has been around since time immemorial that plays undercosted enormous guys. It plays your Trifarian Glory Seekers. It plays your Yetis. It plays Ash. It plays Trifarian Assessor, which will draw you a million cards, including a card off of her. You attack once with her, and and as long as she lives through it, she'll level up, and she will live through it. Because you'd be playing her in a Freljord shell, which has all of the troll chants, some number of Elixir of Irons, and Omen Hawk and Avaros and Half God. Okay, so why do I want to level her up then? Devil's Advocate here. <laughs> Devil's Avocado. I'll be Devil's Avocado. <laughs> when she levels up. Each time I see you do 15 plus damage, which is you just attacking with like two guys and three guys in the Frostbites type deck, you create a mirror image in hand. If you already have one, reduce this cost by one. Mirror image is a spell that only she can generate. Summon an exact ephemeral copy of an ally with five plus power. That includes her, and that includes Ash. Wow, okay. If you have multiple Ashes on board, that will go towards her level up so that their team eventually can't block and you swing with your amazingly overstated team. Copy her so that she can deal more damage than you possibly can generate. And you have the access to stuff like Sigil of Malice, which is a 
Noxus's own version of Mystic Shot, which you get from the new Reputation keyword, which is very easy to enable in the Frostbite-style deck. And yeah, I think she goes... This is not what I was expecting, because in the story, she's a shape-changer and an illusionist who can appear in multiple places at once, and she's been orchestrating the politics of in Noxus for hundreds of years. So I was expecting it to be much more controlly than this, but I'm still fairly confident that she goes very well into the Frostbite's archetype. Her ability... Yeah. That's really similar to... Um... Uh, New Lady, Severe? No. Um, Noxus Knight makes a double of himself. Really? What? No. Noxus guy that makes doubles of himself? I don't know that one. Makes a, an ephemeral copy of himself. And then when both hit, they... Oh, them. Zed! Yeah. I mean, maybe. It's very thematic with Zed. I wouldn't say it works well in a deck together, but it's just very thematic. Yeah. I mean, it could work in a deck together. You play um, Flurry of Fists, the thing that gives somebody double attack. Yeah. Actually, that could be pretty good. She's got quick attack. <laughs> Ooh, that's interesting, actually. I hadn't thought of that. Well done, thank you. Okay, I didn't even know I was saying it. You accidentally built a new deck. Okay, I might, I might look into that because you get the denies and nopifies to keep us safe. You get the retreat returns to keep us safe. You... Okay, that that, that could actually be a deck. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the controlly side you were looking for from this card. Well, I was expecting her to be much more controlly. I was expecting her to be like another swain, but... We can't always get what we want. Swain's still perfect. Yeah, I know you love that card. Swain's amazing, dude. Swain's so good. <laughs> um, I'm very interested in this in Frostbites and now apparently with Zed. So something I'll be twiddling with at the very least. Um, awesome. Yeah, a card that you also definitely pair with LeBlanc, whether you're playing her with Zed or with Frostbites is bloody business. An ally with 5 plus power straight up punches an enemy, straight up strikes. It's not even a single combat type spell. Definitely very good. That seems alright, yeah. I know we talked about it earlier, but Crimson Bloodletter is great for the uh, Blood in the Snow archetype you'll from Vladimir decks. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Because you don't even necessarily play this on turn one. You play this on turn three, then on your attack you play your Braum and Braum immediately gens you the Poro, and this becomes a 2-3. Mm -hmm. Is it, though? Is it like a rat thing? The thing is like a cat with an emo haircut. A cat snake <laughs> with an emo haircut. Really? Okay. I mean, like, I think that's a Crimson Curator that 
petting it right now, and they're vampires anyway that are like Vladimir's groupies. They do weird mm. blood ritual things. I don't know. Okay. They've done terrible things to some sort of cat rat snake. Yep. Uh, the card we missed when we were talking about Shadow Isles, but something we can probably loop back around, is that uh, they've done some really good things for some tribal synergies in this set while nobody was looking. We'll talk about the less interesting one, or the, probably the less like amazing one into the slightly better ones afterwards, but in Shadow Isles, there is a new sea monster. Ah, uh, yes. Sea Scarab. Um, back when I first started taking this game seriously, it was just after the metagame had stabled with the new Bilgewater cards. So Sea Monsters and Deep was absolutely everywhere, and I hated it. Then I put it together, and I absolutely loved it. And I still love it. It's like a deck I want to go when I just want to turn my brain off and beat people with, like, giant monsters. And this is another card for that archetype. Uh... I love it, but not for actually this dedicated Sea Monsters decks. Yeah, we were talking about this. Yeah, love it for the other one. <laughs> yeah, the yeah two mana one two mana one two. Whenever it or one of your guys dies, toss one. I honestly think this is better in a Maokai mill deck. can kind of see that yeah yeah because it, it's, it's not a breaking game but it's certainly a breaking game but a breaking card but it certainly helps malkai i think yep it turbocharges uh going deep as quick as you possibly can and it gets benefits from it from going deep because it's a sea monster uh to toss away cards pretty pretty reliably helps level up malkai very quickly still don't think it's probably better than slaughter docks for that archetype and Honestly, for dedicated deep, deep sea monsters decks, the slaughter docks actually gets a bit worse because this is one of the things you could hit off of uh, slaughter docks when it when you go deep. And compared to some of the other things you could get, this is not the hit you want. That's true. Yeah, but for dedicated Malkai mill decks, I love it. I honestly love it. Okay. Yeah, I think deep decks have been uh, not doing so great of late. No, they've, though. lack of a better term, they've fallen off of the side of the earth. They they don't really square up well against like the Targon sort of stuff. They, they're very easy disruptable and they're very focused. A lot of the time they do win by like stabilising the board and letting Malkai mill them. I want deep to be good, I really do. And I feel like it might get a new Lisa Legs in a couple of months' time when Pike comes to Bilgewater. Because he's like a sea monster hunter, so he might bring some sea monsters out of the depths with him. Okay. Yeah. But the other tribal cards I wanted to talk about, one here in Shadow Isles and one in Noxus, is there are a couple of new spiders. Soul Spinner basically amounts up to a 4 3 for 3 with Fissum. It's only a 4 3 for 3 with Fissum if an ally died this round, which is really easy to enable in Shadow Isles. Yeah, that's definitely a spider you want to run if you've got a spider deck. Yes. Yeah. Straight out. 
it's not one it's not one you play on an aggressive turn at three mana in spiders you are you do have quite a few options you want to play if it's either arachnoid sentry or frenzied skissera probably frenzied skissera to be able to like shrink their team so that your fearsomes can all get in this is one you play on a turn where you're defending you just chump block with some of your little spiders play this as a uh four mana a three mana four three with fearsome on your next turn you can play the skitter or shrink their team and get in with another fearsome guy Another, solid. It's another good fearsome guy just to be able to fill in the middle curve, which is something I think you definitely want. But in addition to him, in Noxus we've got the Shrieking Spinner, all mana two five that on attack grants sp Spider Allies plus one plus zero. Now this is really good. Only my third one. Yeah. Uh, for spiders decks, it's, as if they, it's if they, attack, isn't it? Yeah, it's attack. It's attack. Boom! It happens. Same with um. Sithria giving Demacia guys plus one plus one of Fearsome, and apparently the Watcher obliterating the enemy deck. So, yeah, so on attack, grant your team plus one plus zero. The Spiders decks traditionally at four mana have a very different plan. They usually develop their board as wide as they can, turn one, two, and three, with like um, Precious Pet on one, Elise or House Spider on two. Skitter on three attack. Then on turn four they play crowd favorite, the two one for four with overwhelm that gets bigger based on how big your team is. Which I can definitely sort of see, but I honestly think the benefit of a spider's deck is to be able to go wide, evade with fearsomes, and then use prankster or captain farron for closing out the game with burn damage. And with that and with that game plan sort of set, I feel like this card supplements that a little bit better. So I really like this for Spiders decks. Spiders has been starting to reappear on the fringes of the meta game, so I think pieces like this may put spiders into an actually decent aggro spot. It's nice to see old decks like this have a, a somewhat comeback. That's always nice to see. Yep, it's definitely something that uh, the design team of Runeterra have been really rewarded and praised for is that they know how to respect old archetypes and you know what that actually brings us to some of the ionia cards because each region is getting cards one way or another um ionia bilgewater and targon aren't necessarily getting many cards but they are getting a few and these two cards right here field musicians and shadow apprentice both have very strong implications for a deck type I know you love. Teemo? No. Not Teemo, my friend. You're probably one of the only people in the free world who plays Teemo with Ionia. No, I'm talking about Ephemerals. <laughs> I could pick up a rock and say Teemo. <laughs> no, to be honest, I'm yeah, thinking... I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. I, I really like them for Ephemerals, but I'm just, just going to hard and fast declare that. See it for ephemerals? Yes, I do. It seems greedy. <laughs> really? A little bit. A little bit. Shadow Apprentice, sure, you don't necessarily make it on turn one because you're losing the the value from it. But still, having an elusive guy that still sticks around in an ephemerals deck in Ionia is still really strong. Emeralds is always about the attack, though, usually, unless you're playing a giant octopus. 
to have an elusive guy stick around isn't like the biggest because you're not going to really block with him are you if, purely if, for the attack sometimes you have to and to be honest being able to the inability to defend is what is really locking ephemerals from being good outside of grand plaza decks and even then they fall out of favor with the grand plaza's nerf It's another uh, aggressive I'm... option, I would say. But you're going to say about the other card they've offered? Yeah, I'm, I, I can see the other one a bit more, which is Field Musicians. I mean, it's got a lot going on there, just for a, say, just a normal card. Yeah, a relatively normal card. Uh, the tune is really nice. I thought that was a mechanic they were going to scrap because generating mana on uh, units is kind of stupid. But still, it's powerful in its own way. Each round, once you've summoned three other allies, refill your spell mana and draw one. Yeah, this ramps you and replaces itself in your hand whenever you play a Haunted Relic. Yes, which is how you sold it to me. And that, that did seem super sweet. Absolutely. Yep. You can even get this uh, on the same turn you play it, because if you play it, get a spell mana back, play Onslaught of Shadows. Yeah. Yep. Or we'll play onslaught of shadows and then another onslaught of shadows and then the shadow apprentice on another turn. Okay. Yeah. I. It's a different kind of deck, I think. It really is. Um, the whole cell of Ionia-based ephemerals decks is that it tries to get in as many good early aggressive attacks as it possibly can. Probably plays some number of uh, soul shepherds to make sure your attacks are extra strong. Controls the board with death marking away units you don't want to see, but keeping uh, ephemerals you want to keep. And then when all of the dust settles, you harrowing and just kill them. Love that move, yeah. Which is definitely uh, something that you would be rewarded for if you played Guild Musicians. Yeah, it's a very... Value card, I feel. Very much so. I think it might have a chance to do some fun things with Ephemerals. I have every hope for it. But uh, the other regions that aren't necessarily being supported but are still getting cards are Bilgewater and Targon. In Bilgewater, we're going, we're going treasure hunting and we're going dice rolling. What are your first thoughts on these two these two spells? Um, loaded dice for the rest of the round when you damage the enemy nexus. Nav one. Yep. That seems pretty good because that's if you've got three creatures, you draw three. You can get a big draw from this card, can't you? Yep. Very much so. If you, if any of those creatures are powder monkeys, you hit the nexus, draw a card. Powder monkey dies. They take a damage from the last breath, draw a card. <laughs> yeah, that seems pretty sweet. In magical, and also, it, yeah. And also, yeah, I was just going to say it levels up a certain champion super quickly. Yep, as you pointed out. In magical Christmas land, you can attack and almost level up a twisted fate, which is something I will always be excited about. People really hate to play against NAB decks, but I 
no, I hate to play against NAB decks, and I never really played with them when they were good, because I was always much more interested in Ezreal calming people instead of Twisting Fate Ezreal-y people. Yeah, but still, this card could be the long game generator that Palonda pa uh, Powder Pandemonium could have needed. Because it always feels bad to losing to your own deck. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see it seeing play. It does seem pretty good. And then there's Lost Riches. Draw a treasure. If there aren't any, create two in your deck. The treasures are the cards generated by that one sea monster, which might make it now as the top end of a build water control sort of deck. I personally think this might be something that we see more of with the build water side of the expansion when Pike comes along. Do you reckon there'd be more treasures there? I would hope so. I feel like it's something they might be able to support the same way they introduced a few decent dragons in the first lot of Targon cards and then brought Shivana in to build the dragon's deck I think there might be there might be possibility for more treasured cards because right now there's only one other effect that generates treasures and that's not enough to make this powerful enough it's certainly good but it requires more hoops to run through than would than a deck would necessarily want to be willing to invest in I think it's a double-edged sword. If there are more treasures coming, they're going to also, not nerf, but they're going to more, make more types of treasure so that when you pull up the treasure, it could either be, you know, some amazing gun or it's going to be like a soggy sandal or something. You could get some really bad treasures introduced just to sort of balance it. If you're having loads of treasures introduced, that's going to make it crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, honestly, and that also makes a bit of sense. Um, yeah, because the treasures right now are Plate Worm Egg, which summons three uh, vicious Plate Worms, which are basically are 8-8s eight with Fearsome. Uh, the one that makes five random ephemeral cards that cost it, random ephemeral cards in your hand that cost zero. And I've played that card to some effect where all of the cards have been amazing and I've won the game on the spot, or all of the cards have been ass and I died immediately. And the cannon that deals five to the whole board. Yeah. Pretty random but powerful cards, I feel. I would say that as well. Um, if there are more ways to introduce treasures coming soon, that might be interesting. I would hope that they don't because the treasure cards that there are are quite powerful and the ways that we have to generate them are still quite hard to press. So making us work for it is definitely a keep way of keeping the mechanic fair. Yeah. Also, you could, interesting, not that you ever would, but you could put this with Karma. It'd be an interesting Ooh. thing to do. No, you yeah. could potentially put this with Karma. I've seen very weird Karma Twisted Fate decks. You'd most likely put the two treasures, and then you draw one of them. Yeah, exactly. Yep, you, yep, because we're leveled up, it'll be copied. The first card puts the treasures away, the other card draws the treasure you just made. Okay. Yeah. And because the treasures are all spells, you play the treasure, and then Karma copies the treasure as well. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 
which would feel pretty bad if Karma suddenly dealt 10 to the whole board, but whatever. That's <laughs> random deck, but there you go. <laughs> Honestly, I might give it a try. No, don't do it. Because then if you're like a build war target on control, you get to play you get to play loaded dice to help level up your twisted fate. You get to draw two cards for each card you nab. Uh, and with Karma, you get to play the actual shipwreck hoarder as a beefy attacker blocker that generates your treasure. It's not that bad, it's just weird. Mm. I'd be sceptical as usual, but there we go. There we go, indeed. Our last stop on our round uh, tour of the realm brings us to Targon. Everyone's the bane of everyone's existence because everyone thinks it's a really strong region. It is a strong region, but only because when you pair it with other regions that plug up its weaknesses. Basic card gaming. Yep, we've got Desert, we've got Destiny's Child, and we've got Star Tipped Peak. <laughs> yep, well said. So, <laughs> no, we'll talk about them for a minute. They're not great cards, but we'll talk about them for a minute. So there's a spell themed around Beyonce and Kelly Rowland, which says grant an ally in hand plus eight plus eight for eight mana at burst. No. Riot, no. <laughs> the earliest you're going to play this is on turn five, and it's going to be a humongous investment that can still be homecoming. This seems really random, to be honest. Yeah. Why would you invest something in hand which is then not going to add anything immediately to board? No. Yeah, the trend with Runeterra, as I've heard many critics say, is that epic cards are either amazing, be it Leviathan, Captain Farron, Unyielding Spirit, or this. <laughs> Or the the new kindred card, the thing that the thing that gives your weakest guy indestructible, lambs respite. Anyway, uh, there is a new cheap landmark in the form of Star Tipped Peak. Down down two, create two random celestial cards that cost three or less. Um, yeah, I mean it's good for. Created decks. I nearly said creation decks. <laughs> so you might put this with Zoe or Victor, maybe? Potentially. There's yes. definitely scope for it. The trouble is, the beauty of Zoe and Super Cool Star Chart and Spacey Sketcher is that you get a choice of three different Celestials. The ones at CMC3 or less are all great, great tempo plays, but are best early. I think the exceptions to that would probably be the Elusive Otter that you can probably keep and try and protect as a late-game bit of chip damage. The Creating two is nice, but you creating two at random that you can't control is not. If you're able to if you're able to put some modicum of control in this, like regular Invoke cards, then you'd be able to get some real value from this, but you could end up with some stuff that either doesn't necessarily help you right now or are not worth the investment as opposed to the one specific card you need right at that second that you could get from a super cool star chart. Yeah, 
it's got the classic landmark downside of no immediate value. Yep. And then it's also, it's just not doing much when it actually pops. So I don't know. It's it is drawing you two cards, so it is. So you are up on cards in terms of the mana investment, but you are sacrificing your turn two to potentially get cards that may not be useful in the given moment. So the variance is a bit too high for me to want to love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With that all said, there are an immense number of cards coming to what I would say is my new favourite card game. I hope I've been able to sway some of your opinions onto new things that make things a little bit clear for you, my good pal. So I have to ask, what do you... What non-Lissandra deck are you interested in building? Because we, I'm going to take the easy answer away from you. Could be completely honest, dude. I think you've forgotten something. I have. What have I forgotten? PNZ. Oh, my favourite region. How dare I forget PNZ? <laughs> um, these strange cards. But what would you expect from Piltover and Zorn? Uh. We'll talk about the more variable one in a minute, the funny one with an amazing combo I'll talk about after. Production Surge. If you really want to level up your Heimerdinger at uh, breakneck speed, this is a way to do it. Same restrictions as Thermogenic Beam to spend all your mana to make that many turrets. Yeah. Seems okay, doesn't it? It's, it's definitely a Heimerdinger card, I feel. Very Heimerdinger card. Uh, I'm always in favour of board states in a box. Stuff like your Secure the Wastes and Timely Reinforcements of Magic have been excellent white cards to my knowledge, and this is one very similar to it. Random effects also really add up to the region's flavour, and the possibility of filling your board with all sorts of stuff could be quite helpful and just great when you're behind. Yeah. I don't think it'll see a huge amount of play, but it's, it's all right. It, it does a thing. Yep. Whereas, okay, the, yeah, whereas the combo potential of concurrent timelines is so funny. Yes. This is the more interesting card. Yep. It's previewing the Piltover and Zorn champion Echo, who's a sort of time bender and time mage from the Zornite Sump. A character I'm very interested and excited to see how they handle, but he looks like he'll be coming in a later edition of these cards. But as for right now, one of his spells says, For the rest of the game, the first time you play a follower each round, pick one of three with the same cost to transform it into. So you play some random five cost. You get its play effects, but you see three different cards as though you're invoking, and you choose what it shapeshifts into. So the thing it shapeshifts into, does that also get any TB? You get its uh, when I'm summoned. Okay. I'm reasonably sure you get its when I'm summoned, but if some... So let's say uh, Kempunk Shredder uh, is a Piltover and Zorn card that nobody plays. So 5 mana 5-2 that when you play it from hand, you deal 1 to the enemy team. But if you were to play that out as a 5 mana, five mana guy after playing this card, you could see any amount of 5 cost cards. So you could see 
Avarice and Hearthguard give the rest of your deck plus one plus one. Um, the Screeching Dragon from Demacia, a ch uh, four five of Challenger and Fearsome. Uh All manner of stuff. Some new guys from Shurima. Quite anything, really. Vangle Gavalry with Tough. The Elusive Fish, with which draws you cards. Cater the Arm. The variance is limitless and it's not something that every deck will play but it's if you were to build your deck with decent value play effects with three copies of this with the intention of being able to shape shift things into something else then you're having a good time and i made you crease up when i told you the instant win combo that is not very likely but better than average with this card yeah that was that was so funny do yep. explain because I yep. can't do that justice. Because in Shadow Worlds, you have Captain Ledros, a nine mana guy that when you play him, his sword deals half deals half damage to your Nexus. If you're on twenty, you go to ten. If you're on six, you go to three. You immediately take half. But there is a chance, there is a roughly sixty percent chance that if you play Ledros with concurrent timelines, you will see the Dreadway, Gangplank's pirate ship, that has the passive effect of doubling all damage. So you see the combo. If you play Ledros, you put the sword on the stack, Ledros shapeshifts into the pirate ship, the sword resolves, your opponent immediately dies. Because they take half damage doubled. And that's half that damage doubled. so rude. And it's half damage doubled rounded up, which is an important thing to note on the, on the Dreadway. So even if they're on an odd number, they'll go to minus one. Because it rounds up. Yeah. It's, it, it's not something you would play in a ranked match, I don't think, because you're I, probably not, not going to yeah. hit it. <laughs> if you're if you're in a an old timey sort of PNZ Shadow Wilds control deck, you might be able to pull it off, but I think it's too meme to be consistent. But then that's the flavour of concurrent timelines. It's a very meme card. And yep. you can't just slot that into any deck. That is a build around me or get stuffed card. Yeah. And in the history of this game, for cards of that type and at that cost, build around me or get stuffed will often get forgotten for a, for a lot of the KDA spells. A lot of people really didn't love them when they first came around, but uh, the ones that I've seen play are the ones that have immediate board impact, namely Feel the Russian Go Hard. The other ones are a little too tough to build with. So they've sort of fallen out of favour, and I can see that sadly being the fate of this card as well. Oh. I'll take it with it. Of course I will. It's a it's in my true nature of Piltover and Zorn, but I'm uncertain if this will do anything amazing. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah. And now we have gone through a round trip of the realm. <laughs> so, circling back, which which non-Lissandra deck are you interested in building? Lissandra. Not Lissandra. Oh. I mean, you're going to build Lissandra anyway. I mean, you're going to build Lissandra anyway, but what else has uh, piqued your interest? 
Gotta say, you did a brilliant job selling me on the LeBlanc. So that's gonna be near the top. Um, then I really want to play around with Nasus and Renekton as well. So yeah, I know you've played plenty of Frostbites and to great success on the channel. LeBlanc is definitely a card you want to put into that archetype. She even curves into Ash amazingly, which is definitely a point in her favor. You're going to build Shirima, Allegiance, Nessus, and Renekton could definitely be a lot of fun, especially if you want to smork, just like run them over with very over overstated champions. There's a lot of fun things to be done there as well. Very yeah. exciting stuff. How about you? Well, I want to try and twiddle with Kindred and some flavor of Undying deck. I want to possibly pair them with Bilgewater because you get a lot of good vulnerable effects there, which is something you naturally want with the Undying as it is. It also probably have the same logic to Grand Plaza. I'm also probably going to try and build Landmark Toolbox with Telia. Really? Okay, I'll be interested to see how that works. So will I. <laughs> but in any case, the expansion is going to drop on March 3rd, just a short days away. Much to consider. We're all very excited for it, I would say. looking forward to it you can find us doing our very best to represent these new cards on our joint channel the hostile atmosphere you can also find us playing a many wild let's plays within that right my good pal absolutely yeah find more of our videos <laughs> you will find many of them of us playing a wide variety of let's plays including card gaming goodness and coming soon to a forest near you that's all i will say to promote that goodness but until then, this has been Adam and Will on the Hostile Takeover. Thank you for listening, and until next time, live free and play well. Oh, guys. Off on your feet, first day of the con. Got to look unique, cosplay, get it on. Strap on your wings, you'll keep your thong. Pop on a top hat, pick yourself bronze. I know you and you know me. This is the weekend you break free. Rest can't see, let them watch TV. Remake the world into what it should be. Never grow up in passion playing. Show up wearing imagination. Outside the line, all standing, waiting. Heroes, villains, angels, satans. Oh my goodness gracious. Worth it to see the hotel star's faces. We made it, the date is eventually here. End of the convention, here's three cheers! I said the costume is amazing. What I it's not a costume. You, you look great. Honestly. What's in this room? Fanboys drool over cosplay girls. B-movie stars act like they rule the world. Sign autographs, discuss past glories, comic art, LARPing stories, panels, stalls, stands, skits. Professor Elementals on about six. Of course at every con there's a couple of dicks. Shut up, yes it is Every other person makes it better Every volunteer all holds it together Yes You finally found your tribe Yes Every type all here inside We're all equal We're all worthy I don't know why they all have a go at furries yeah. If you 
business. I've seen stranger things. I've done stranger things. <laughs> oh, and it's nearly evening. The best is yet to come. Who's coming to the after party? Oh, baby, I'm coming. When the sun goes down, it's a frontier town. Freaks come out when the geeks get down. Crammed in the back with a hazardous drink, a swig of absinthe. I'm back from the brink. Oh. And nobody knows the rules. Odd noises in hotel rooms. Six Batmans, parties packed, jams, eclectic, fandom, army, all connected. All the best, unique, the same. All invited, join the game. All done, all the best, then cheers. I'm all broken, see you next year. My poor aching head. God, who's having this? Who's trousers these? I just want to swim around and live in a, live in a comic.